Enjoy this Sam soundbite. And if you would like to hear more, you can find full episodes and more at www.sportsandmore.ca. You had the chance in your career to play with some of the greatest players. One of them was Mike Bossy, And the amount of hockey that that guy played, five straight cup finals, two Canada Cups from 1980 to 85. No wonder uh, he retired, but nine straight 50-goal seasons. What made him such a pure goal scorer from your vantage point? Well, if he hears this, I hope he takes this as a compliment because I've always said this about Bossy, And I, I use this term when I'm talking about other players. Uh, he was selfish, and that that's in a good way. Right. And I, I sometimes there's, he they should have been more selfish in that moment. Like when Bossy had a chance, he ripped that puck as hard as he could. Now he says that most of the time he was shooting five hole, but he was far more uh, dangerous than that. And I I can think of in the Stanley Cup Finals versus Vancouver when he intercepted that Harold Snaps pass uh, with I don't know seconds to go. Uh, in the first overtime, I believe, and he ripped that shot high glove side over uh, Richard, uh, Richard Brodeur. Um, I mean, that was, that was the accuracy that he had. But Boss was an incredible guy. You know, he retired because of a, a lower back injury. It's shameful, really, that mm-hmm. uh, medicine wasn't where it was uh, in today's game because he could have played another, well, I believe he was only 29 or 30 when he retired. He could have played an easy five or six more years than done damage to the record books because as you said the numbers are outstanding yeah such a such a shame so um you end up getting to uh, traded to la and then you're playing with the the greatest of all time and you did that in uh the canada cup as well and you know mario's there and so many great players but you go to la and right in the middle of gretzky mania and then you guys go on this cup run in 93 and i'm really glad that you just watched the last dance because i want to ask you Michael Jordan, I don't know how you feel, but to me, when I watched The Last Dance, he seemed to lead by fear and intimidation, and he really got after his players. Like, how was Wayne Gretzky in that regard? Did you ever see him belittle a teammate to motivate them? Well, I hesitate because I guess if I'm hesitating, then the answer is no. Um, But listen, you know, when you're playing with a guy of Wayne's, uh, you know, status and the magnitude of his stardom. I don't know if he needed to say anything. You know, there, there, you know, Wayne doesn't like conflict. Clearly Michael Jordan has no problem with conflict, yeah. but Wayne didn't like it. But you knew as a player when Wayne was annoyed at you and, and that was very intimidating, right? Like um, he was quiet about it, but, but I'll, you know, there was an interesting time I had, I believe in 91, uh, we had a young player, again, from uh, Czechoslovakia. His left-hand shooting defense and highly skilled, his name was Peter Prazler. And uh, But Peter, nobody likes to get hit, but Peter more so than most guys. Whenever it appeared that he'd get hit, uh, he would throw the puck away. And always, it seemed, in our own zone. And we're playing uh, somebody at home, I think it's New York Rangers, with about 10 minutes to go. It's a tie game. And uh, it, it appears as though one of the Rangers on the forecheck is going to hit here. So he throws the puck away. It's intercepted. The Rangers score the game-winning goal with about 10 minutes to go. And I'm furious at the end of the game. And typically, Dean, at the end of a game, if we lost, there was one guy that took the brunt of my uh, anger, and that was me. But in this case, it happened to be poor Peter Prazler. And so uh, Wayne and I were always quick to undress. And so we're in the shower. 
and I'm throwing shampoo bottles all over. I'm throwing soap. I'm swearing. I'm saying a million terrible, terrible things about Peter. And uh, finally, nobody else is coming in the shower, by the way. They hear me ranting and raving like a lunatic. And uh, finally, my tantrum ends after I don't know how many minutes, three minutes, five minutes, whatever. And Wayne stays in the shower the entire time. Then when I'm done, he, he finally looks at me and goes, Kelly, let everybody earn a living. If he's not good enough, they'll find somebody else. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what grace. And so that would have been, I guess, the opposite of Michael Jordan. Yet there was an underlying element that, you know, Wayne was just as competitive. He showed it in a different way, but uh, it was a really cool experience to be around that guy. Yeah, that is such an amazing story. And, you know, you look at that 1993 season, and it's no coincidence. Gretzky gets healthy. You guys go on this incredible run to the finals. Um, do you have a, a fond memory that sticks out more than, than ever? Because that, that run was just uh, incredible. Like I, I, Every team you played against was a Canadian team. Yeah, well, I do have plenty of fond memories, but since you mentioned Wayne's health, and since in today's uh, world where we talk a lot about mental health, and uh, so Wayne had a, a physical injury. He had a, a spine issue, a neck issue, um, of which uh, we got a, a real break because when training camp rolled around, we were told he was going to be out, and in fact, we were told that it may be the end of his career. So we were lucky he was able to get the help he needed Dr. Watkins, I believe, from uh, in Los Angeles was a surgeon. But in terms of mental health, I was off the rails. Like I, I, I have an idea what was going on in my brain, but it was uh, I was on a loop, and the loop was telling me a whole bunch of really, really bad things, and my career was coming to an end, and I couldn't continue to play at that level. And finally, uh, Barry Melrose, our coach, reached out to Tony Robbins, and uh, then. Uh, they worked uh, some, I worked some one-on-one -on -one sessions with Tony and, and uh, Barry asked to sit in on because he wanted to understand what his starting goalie was going through. But my, my mental health was not in a good place. And uh, because of the work that I did with Tony and Barry, I was able to uh, get out of that ditch. And not only that, but I was able to resurrect my career, uh, go to the finals that year and play another five years. So whenever I see Dick Barry or talk to him, I always uh, relay the story. I'm forever indebted to that man. Wow, that is incredible. And you know, um, you know, I and and me and my family and your family are on this journey uh, with mental health, yep. like millions of other people. Do you think we are yep. winning the battle when it comes to stigma? Oh yeah, uh, I, I've watched a big, big change. When Caitlin came out in 2013 in a big, big way, uh, she did an article with the Canadian Press. Uh, and uh, also the National Post, and both uh, newspapers and articles were beautiful in their own way. They both captured Caitlin's spirit in uh, different ways, but both beautifully. But uh, I look at how grown men can now talk about it. Uh, everybody's trying to become a little bit stronger because we feel that we have a voice now. Uh, there's no shame. We're trying to break down that stigma. Um, it's going to be a long road still, but I've just, I've noticed the path that we've taken and, and how much more we hear about it daily. You know, I'm sure people come up to you and talk to you about it, Dean. I, I can tell you, um, that, well, maybe not now in the pandemic, but every single day, uh, I would get either a text message, a phone call, an email, or I'd be in my local coffee shop and people would stop me and tell me their story and, you know, 
uh, it's just heartwarming to me to hear people when they're willing to share their story. Now, by the way, I want to make this very clear. If, if you're somebody and you're going through something and you don't feel like you can share your story, there's no pressure. Don't. It's a very personal right. journey and, and there's no pressure to do it. But just do do yourself a favor. This is coming from my heart. Talk to somebody. Don't suffer alone because that's a lonely place to be. But if you, you can share, great. If you can't, that's great as well. But but uh, we, we've done such great work in this field. And I'm so proud to say that uh, our family's uh, a part of it. Yeah, you can even just write it down on a piece of paper. You never have to send it to anybody and just get it. And that's a start of starting to, to, to work it out. So I think that's a great point. You don't have to, uh, but it is such a freeing thing when you do. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, the other thing is, if if you're around somebody, especially in these times, because you know, what everybody's going through is so stressful, and even if you didn't experience any uh, mental health issues before, this pandemic could have changed something. Uh, our oldest daughter uh, never experienced any mental health issues until the pandemic, and then uh, the world got the best of her, and so we've had to do uh, get her some help and make sure following up because she's a young mom, she's afraid of what's happening around the world with her and her son and her husband had to take a, uh, a pay cut like a lot of people and, and or people lost their jobs. So financial, financially, people are hurting. So this is a really important time to reach out and to look out for others. Um, look in their eyes. I, I mean, uh, you know this, Dean. When you look in somebody's eyes, that tells you a lot about where they are mm -hmm. um, mentally and uh, ask the question, are you okay? And uh, maybe it will lead to a conversation that might help them. Thanks for listening to this Sam soundbite. If you would like to hear more, you can find full episodes and more at www.sportsandmore.ca.